0: Welcome to three, two, one, go—the podcast. I'm John Pelkey,
1: and I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish.
0: We've got a great show here. The funny runner herself, Brittany Charbonneau, is here—a professional runner, dopey champion, and all-around entertaining human being. You're gonna love it.
1: Yes, can't wait to chat with Brittany. We've had a lot of fun with her over the past couple years. Guys, we've also had fun doing this podcast. So if you like 321GO, make sure to subscribe, follow, tell your friends, and keep listening. Go back to another episode of Three, Two, One, Go—the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and tell your friends. And John, what I've heard from people so far about the podcast is, well, they love it, obviously, but they like kind of learning a little bit more about us.
0: Okay, wow, <laughs> that that surprises me.
1: Yeah, no, we're interesting. So here's what happened today that I think will kind of shed light to people a little bit longer, uh, more on us. So on race day, we have to get there at one thirty a.m. Yes. Tell me when you know where this is going. I walk out the door every race morning mm. at 1:29 a.m. You do. And what do I see?
0: Uh, the rest of us all in the uh, vehicle that's taking us to the starting line.
1: And you're? Why are you early?
0: I'm always early for things.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's my point today. So today, you and I are going to start the podcast at 11:30. At 11:01, Weson and I get back from our workouts. At 11:10, I'm sitting on the floor, sweating profusely. At 1115, we're making breakfast and you're texting us to see why the Zoom isn't working. So, (laughs) you know, the curtain I'm pulling back is that Johnny's Johnny's always prepared and an early bird. And I don't know if that might surprise people.
0: I know I kind of annoy my uh, my wife, the lovely and talented Jody, because uh, she is kind of show up uh, the fashionably late person. And I'm more the get there early guy. And I'm always there early for work. Our director, Mark Ferreira, always calls it my uh, uh, my Puritan worth work ethic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm always going to be the early guy, which really, really sucks when your call time is one thirty AM, by the way,
1: I mean, what but I'm, yeah, you-
0: I'm always, I'm generally the first one in the van.
1: Yeah. What time do you get in the van? What's that? What time do you get in the van? Cause I don't
0: know. Oh gosh. I I'm usually, I'm usually about 10 to 15 minutes early. I know, but I have that thing. I, and I, I wonder how many people are out there. If I set my alarm for 1 AM, I will wake up at twelve fifty. I mean, I always wake up before my alarm and then I'm always ready early. So th- that's it. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be the early guy. I often beat the van there.
1: Yes. And I'm the complete opposite of that. Like where even if I get up early, I'll lay there. Then I'll then I'll get up. And then if I'm five minutes early, I'll say, well, I could also do this. I could stretch. I could do other things. So just kind of pulling back the curtain, just a little bit. letting Yeah, it, yeah that's. That's and I will
0: say, uh, normally I'm a much more disagreeable person than you. I think everyone would agree to that. You're you're a much happier person, but at one thirty in the morning, you are often more disagreeable than me.
1: Oh, I'm very disagreeable at one thirty in the morning. Like, it's not. Well, I guess disagreeable is a harsh term. I think it would be more like, let's not communicate yet.
0: Yes. Yes. So. And, and sometimes we have talky people. Sometimes people are talky in the we van. Do.
1: We do. Because, you know, we're going to move on, but we, we get picked up at 1.30. We go, yeah. we're driven to our RV at the start line and we sit there for about 15, 20 minutes. And then we go over to the family reunion lot and rehearse. Right. So it's kind of like a stage thing. And and by the time we finish that first rehearsal, I'm ready to communicate with you. Oh, yeah.
0: No, you're great. And I have to be properly caffeinated, too. We, we know that. If I'm not properly caffeinated, then all bets are off uh, for me. By the way, I uh, just want to throw this in because people want to know more about us. I flew back from a family vacation in Maine with my wife's family yesterday. And I'm on the plane, my plane from JFK, uh, where I had my layover to uh, Orlando. And uh, the uh, flight attendant is, you know, bringing the, the beverage service. And uh, she looks at me, looks away, looks back. And she's like, do you announce for run Disney? And I was like, well, I'm, and you know me. Normally I would go, no, I just look like him and I don't care for him. Uh, but I did say yes, that it was me. And it really paid off for me because uh, uh, I, I I got three bags of cheese. It's not just one. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's good. I know. Fantastic. So a uh, shout out to uh, Helene on JetBlue. Uh, we'll see her at the Wine and Dime.
1: All right. Sounds good. Uh, Speaking of races, I did a race last week, uh, not a Disney race.
0: No, the Ironman 70.3, which just I thought it was a typo, frankly, uh, in Des Moines. How was it? It actually looked like you had a great time.
1: Well, first to clarify, I was not participating. I was (laughs) announcing. You announced it, right? (laughs) Ironman 70.3, it's a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon, you know, all together doing that math there. Uh, It was fantastic. This was the third time I've been to Des Moines. I've done the past two Des Moines marathons. It is a lovely city, Mm -hmm. a really charming downtown area. Have you been there?
0: I have not. I I think uh, at some point in my travels, I've been in the airport for a layover. Uh, and I remember it's one of the, one of those uh, smaller, really lovely airports Dorm. that I like, un- unlike uh, our airport here in Orlando, which we could do an entire podcast uh, on the o- Orlando International Airport. But uh, I remember it being lovely.
1: It was lovely. It's a lovely city. But the really cool thing about that race was I got to announce with Andrea Coyman, who was one of my co-announcers. And we were at Disneyland and we were the first ever all female, only female uh, U.S., North American actually Iron Man announcing team so it was just two women
0: you, you're you're breaking uh breaking that ceiling all the time uh Boston Marathon and you and Andrea now so uh I have uh, I have set absolutely no records uh other than I did have a nap yesterday that may have verged on two and a half hours.
1: Was it on the plane after the cheese? Uh,
0: no, it was actually when I came back because, um, uh, Jody and I flew separately because we used, uh, credit card points to fly. So we were on separate flights. Hers turned into a disaster. I was recognized as the, uh, uh, USA famous race announcer that I am. And, uh, hers was, uh, Hers was not as good. She she had a flight canceled, came in really, really late. And uh, I drove. I had to drive in circles at OIA waiting because when her plane uh, landed, um, there was not an open gate. So she had to wait to oh, over 45 minutes just to sit on the tarmac to get to the gate. So I actually did circles at OIA. And if you've ever flown into there, you know what, you know what I'm talking about. And I drove 18 miles in a circle waiting for her to come out. Oh, that did not. It took no. two hours from the time she hit the ground for her to actually come out and, uh, and get in the car. So wow. we, we had
1: some travel
0: challenges yesterday. That would have
1: been contentious. But shout out to Helene on JetBlue. Yeah, the whole time I just would have been like, this is your fault because you made me take this flight. Like, I would have blamed it entirely on Weston. Yeah. Um, you just have fun there sitting in the car. And he's like, I'm driving in circles. And I'd be like, I bet you are. I just wouldn't have I- <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna move on to one more topic before we jump into Brittany. Uh, it's a tough topic.
0: It really uh, is.
1: Tori Bowie uh, tragically died earlier this year. She was a fantastic athlete. At one point, she was the fastest woman in the world. She won the 100-meter gold at the 2017 World Championships, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, when her death first came out, I was actually, I remember I was at Disney. And we were just gotten off Guardians of the Galaxy, and I saw it, and it said death by suicide, which is tragic. You know, not enough, but it's just one of those things where you say, wow, I, we can't realize that people are going through it. Absolutely, right, condolences. exactly. And then, you know, it comes out that, It wasn't that. It was revealed that she died due to pregnancy complications. She was about eight months pregnant. She was undergoing labor when she died. They believe that it was respiratory distress or eclampsia uh, as possible likely causes. And nothing can make that a better story. That's that's a terrible story. And we don't know how to make it a better story. We can't. But what we can do is talk about what I think is the real issue there and that Black women are three times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women. Why is that? I don't know, but it makes me angry.
0: Yeah. And infant mortality also among African-American uh, uh, babies is is much higher as well. And it is something, yeah, that it that is an ongoing problem. And, and you know, people will often when you see infant mortality or something that happened, uh, like happened to Tori, they'll talk about, well, you know, it's lifestyle choices and everything. She was a world-class athlete, folks, uh, in the upper, the 1% of athletes in her discipline. And uh, she still fell victim to this. It, it, it really is tragic. And to your point, there's, Really, no good way to spin it. Uh, I think the only thing we can do is just say these are sort of things that we have to uh, acknowledge and try to find solutions for.
1: Yeah. And I think what really drove the point home to me was that Allison Felix, you know, one of the greatest female track and field athletes possibly of all time, said that four members of that four by 100 Olympic winning team, three of them nearly died in childbirth. So to your point, it's not it's not an economic issue. It's not a health issue. There's issues with institutional racism, the way, you know, doctors interact with different races of patients, whatever it is, it's a problem. And I hope that people who have the power to change that can can step in and, and try to change that because it yeah, there a are chance.
0: plenty of challenges in the medical uh, system. And, and this is nothing against doctors and nurses who are out there really, really doing their best. But there are a lot of challenges. And this is one that we weren't aware of. And I think when something like this happens, uh, there has to be something positive that comes out of that so perhaps now because someone of her stature and it's sad that it has to be someone uh well known uh to shed light on this but hopefully this will uh, open up a dialogue and somewhere down the line uh something to address it and, and 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 bring it to an end because it reading about it it just tragic doesn't really go far enough
1: it does. So we always want to be positive here, but we also think it's important to talk about things that matter in this world, and this is definitely one of them. So uh, yeah, let's let's keep that in our thoughts as we move forward, and let's move forward to today's guest. Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. All right, we are so excited to welcome our next guest to 321 Go, the podcast. She is a professional runner for the North Face with a marathon best of 233. She had a breakout performance, finishing 13th at the 2022 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. She's been a U.S. national team member. She is the first woman to win all four races of the Dopey Challenging, meaning she broke the tape on Thursday at the 5K, Friday at the 10K, Saturday at the half marathon, Sunday at the marathon. She's a running coach, comedian, Broadway in. Enthusiast, please welcome the funny runner Brittany Charbonneau. Hey. <laughs> oh, I are just
0: you. get exhausted listening to your bio, Brittany. Good lord,
2: I'm exhausted of that too. I'm like, why am I so tired?
1: And I'm like, oh, that's why I dip <laughs> my toe in everything. We love it. That's why we love you. And we, you know, we fell in love with you uh, not only through Dopey, but you had dipped your toe into the Run Disney World, breaking the tape. Before Dopey, so when was your first Disney victory? 2018.
2: I did three that year. I did the um, marathon weekend, half marathon. Um, Then I showed up for uh, the Princess 10K, and then I did the Star Wars half and won each of those in 2018.
1: Well, you have to forgive John and I because we're not there when you right right Right? Right. for boring years. (laughs) You win. And then we are like, who won? And they're like, she was really fast. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so forgive us for not remembering yeah. all this. No,
2: that's okay. It was a, uh, I wasn't in as like fun of costumes and things like that. Also. I mean, I well, was in yeah. costume, actually, I've got funny stories of that, but I was in costume, but uh, yeah, they weren't as like elaborate, I would say, as they were for Dopey in 2022.
0: Well, we'll get around, we'll get around to that. And, and that's great because you're actually starting to answer questions we already have for you. But uh, were you always a Disney fan or you want to I mean, we're all of the Disney generation if you were born in the 20th century or 21st century. But have you always been a Disney fan?
2: Always. Um, I remember growing up and I was um, Jasmine one Halloween. I was Pocahontas one Halloween. Um, I got really mad one year. So I'm from Colorado, born and raised. And, um, I remember (laughs) one of my years that I was Jasmine. Um, it's snows. It traditionally snows every Halloween here. Um, and I remember I had my Jasmine costume. I was ready to go trick or treating. And my mom is like, we'll put on your coat. And I was like, are you out of your mind? Jasmine doesn't wear a coat, mom. And I just threw a fit because I was trying to be so authentically Jasmine and Disney. So um, I grew up on the, I was a Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King era gal. And then, you know, I just have never let it
1: go. (laughs) (laughs) Literally never let it go. Yeah. See what you did there? Well, before we jump into your Disney, uh, you are a professional runner. So I want our listeners to hear a little bit about your journey to becoming a professional runner because that's kind of your job now.
2: Yeah. It's, I know it's kind of weird that that's what I get to do for a living. Some days I wake up and I'm like, my job today is to go run on the trails. This is insane. Um, yeah. So I, um, got into running when I was in middle school and ran and th- all throughout high school, just kind of recreationally. I was never, you know, I was on varsity, but I was never top of the pack by any means. Um, and then I didn't know that you could, um, run for a college without being on scholarship. I didn't know you could be a walk-on athlete. And so I didn't run my first two years of college because I was like, well, I'm not fast enough to do that. So I will just run 5Ks or something. Um, And then I found out that you could walk on. So I walked on um, to Colorado State's team as a junior, ran my last two years in college, and then kind of started to dabble in marathoning after that because I realized that I enjoyed much longer distance. I was running 800 and mile in college, but I was just kind of... Again, like recreational runner. Um, I was doing online training plans. Like I had no idea really what I was doing. I was just kind of piecing things together. Um, and then just slowly started to chip away at some goals. And then um, in 2017, I won a race in Denver. And I was like, Well, I'm a good 20 minutes off of the pros times. I should probably be a pro. <laughs> like, and I just like but I knew I wanted to pursue it full time. And I was like, if I have time, if I have a coach, if I can just dedicate some time to this, I really want to give it a shot. So I'm so grateful I did. But looking back on when I decided to start racing elite, I shouldn't have done that. Like everything on paper would have said, don't do that. Um, but I was just like going to bet on myself and I'm really, really happy. I did now looking at this, gosh, coming up on like seven years later, six years later. Um, I'm really, really happy that I took that leap for sure.
0: Well, and uh, I think if, if I've got this wrong and you, you know, it's me, Brittany, so I've probably gotten this wrong, but I, it took you what, eight years to win a race. I think it was before you 18. ran You're, you're you, did,
2: you did get it wrong. It was 18.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, they're, they're just off by a decade. Uh, that, uh, That's really, really interesting because people, Carissa, we've talked about this on the podcast before, is people set unrealistic goals. What were the goals you were setting for yourselves over that almost two-decade period?
2: I don't know. I don't think I even had big goals then. Um, I think it was just like, I just remember, you know, my goals in college were not to die in these races. Um, And then when I started to get into marathoning, it was just, um, I remember my first marathon, um during training someone said if you run a 335 you'll qualify for the Boston Marathon and I was like I have no idea what the Boston Marathon is like what what is that Um and so just that kind of in my brain I was like okay well I'll shoot for that because it is just that goal I have no idea what that means so I ran a 333 um and then from there it like turned into another little goal and then another little goal um and things like that and then um finally in 20 15, I think, um, I had gone, I, there was a local race in Chicago. I was living in Chicago, studying comedy at the time. And, um, there was a local half marathon and I was like, maybe I could win that. Um, and that was my very first win. And that was 18 years after I started running. So, um, it was kind of just like random little tiny goals. And I feel like that's what I still do now. I feel like a lot of my goals, that's kind of where dopey came from. was like this like random goal of like, maybe I could try that. Maybe I could do this. So it's kind of just been almost organically where these goals have come from um, and kind of start, and kind of
1: dictated and moved my path with running. Well, you really teed up this next question very easily kind of talking about that dopey goal. So we know you as that Disney loving bubbly superstar in costume that won all, all four races at dopey. But the reason why you came to dopey uh, is a story that I, I kind of like. And it also leads us through Boston, I think as well. So tell us about how the dopey goal came to be. Yeah. So
2: Dopey in 2022 was not on my radar at all. Um, I remember in 2018, when I was racing those first Disney races, I remember hearing about the Dopey challenge and I was like, that's absurd. Like that was 100% going to break your body. Like that's insane. Um, so I remember that. And then, um, 2021, the Boston marathon was in the fall because it had gotten moved because of COVID. So I was racing training for the Boston marathon that fall was having a killer training season, um, was doing a workout 10 days before I left for the marathon in my local park in Denver that I do. I've done hundreds and hundreds of workouts there. Um, and all of a sudden I was just coming around a curve and a awfully husky T boned me while I was going full speed. The dog was going full speed and we collided and I flew up in the air, landed on my back on the cement, smacked my head, got a concussion like this whole thing, it was like 10 days before, um, still had kind of an injury on my back during the race. Um, so I ended up making it to mile 18 in the Boston marathon and then, um, pulled out and I was just like, so bummed because I was like, it's just this niggle. It's just this thing that I just couldn't run through that day. Um, but I still have a lot of fitness. I don't feel like I want to end my season with that experience. So I just kind of started to think about and chatted with my coach of like, what, when, when was it that really brought me joy in running? Because I feel like also there's a lot of pressure, especially in the major marathons and, you know, when you get into the bigger races as an elite, um, that it was just, I kind of felt like some of this fun was sucked out of, um, sucked out of my experience. And so I just was like, when was I most happy? And I thought about my races in 2018 at Disney. And that was when I just kind of was like, I want a really random challenge. I want something that's definitely hard, but just a challenge. So the goal for Dopey was just to finish it. There really wasn't going into it. I had no intention of, I'm going to try to win this whole thing. Cause I think that that was going to be sucking the fun out of it for me as well. So, um, it came from getting nailed by a dog, um, and then reevaluating, thinking about like where, and when am I most happy running? And my coach's only stipulation, she said, I fully support you, but you have to up your costume game if you're going to do it. Cause she really wanted to make sure I was protecting the fun.
0: Uh, but and you sorry you 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 led once again we're getting back to uh questions on costumes uh it it, uh I'm always just amazed by the people who put together costumes uh, in any case and the people who finish in six hours, the marathon or whatever. But for an elite runner like you, you're one of the few elite runners that gives into more than maybe just uh, we have seen people finish with uh, Mickey ears and stuff. (laughs) What is it about the costumes? Uh, Because uh, your costume game is almost as good, slightly, just a little less good than your running game, but very little.
1: Less um, good, John. She has a costume. Like, don't you have a costume room or something? Oh, I'm in my costume room. It's expl. I'm looking at my costume closet. It's exploding. I'm looking at fur coats and sombreros and astronaut costumes. Um, Brittany, it's, it's okay if you're offended by John saying that you need to up your costume game. Like, I, I, a-
0: I didn't say she had to up it. I'm just saying. I mean, she won the dopey, so her costume at that point would literally have to be a flying Mandalorian costume for her to do any better <laughs> than that.
2: I take that as a, um, a lovely challenge, John. You just wait and see what I can pull out next time.
0: I'm sorry, um, your times will not be official if you actually have a jetpack and fly. I know that that is among the rules uh, of the Dopey oh, Challenge.
2: Okay. Um. Yeah, I have. A, I think because of my background in performance, so I. Um. I guess looking back, I've always been. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be one that doesn't want to be the center of attention. Um, so I remember that growing up. And then once I started to get um, actually it was a few years around the same time I started to win my first races and just kind of started to improve my running, I got more into um studying comedy, um, performing improv, things like that. And so I feel like costumes are part of the performance. And so for me, it being in costume at Dopey took took the pressure off because it became more of a character became more of a performance. It became more of the story of it. And I think there's argument too, that like, you know, you show up to some races and you're wearing your kit that you are sponsored by. And that also evokes this, like, I feel like strong and I can do this and all of those things. So I think that that's also a costume, but I think for me, I was really trying to channel the playfulness and trying to take some of the seriousness away from the running because i think that we just get so at least for me too i just get so wrapped up sometimes in the seriousness of racing and running that the costumes were this outward um display of nope i can i can do both and this is just part of my my performance i guess
1: well, i love how you connected that because even though all the times i've heard you talk about your costumes i think that i'd never put that sort of internalized that, that you're kind of putting on a performance in a way and it's making you a little bit superhuman. So a lot of people do have heard about what you wore for each race, but I'd love to go back through kind of each race and why you decided on, on which costume, because a lot of people at Disney will theme their costume to the metal or theme their costume to the race, which is great, but I love the way you did it because you did it to, to yourself. So let's start with Thursday morning, 5k day.
2: Yeah. I love that you said that too, because That was where my brain went. I was like, okay, what are people going to want to see me in? And that was where I initially thought. And so, but then I was just like, I don't want to be that character and that's not bringing me joy. And so I finally was like, nope, I'm going to just pick the characters that I want. And they're a little bit out there and that's going to be me. So for the first, for the 5k, I was Elsa from Frozen 2. Um, There's the scene where she is with that water horse and she's singing, show yourself. And she pulls her hair down and she's barefoot. And she just like has her moment of like, this is my self. This is my full self that I remember seeing it for the first time. And that just resonated so much. Cause I was like, I just want to pull my hair down and I just want to not really run barefoot, but you know what I mean? Just have that moment of just like, this is me. Um, So I picked Elsa from Frozen 2 specifically. And also I did have some strategic pieces with that because in 2018 at the Disney Princess 10K, I was Ariel and I ran in um, fish leggings, uh, like mermaid leggings, and they were the hottest thing I've ever run in. And that was only a 10K. So I I remember that and I remember being like, okay, if I'm going to do pants, I need it for the shortest distance possible
1: because it's likely going to be really hot even in January and, um, at Disney. All right. So we're 5k. We've let it go essentially, even though that's, that's frozen one. I know that, but (laughs) we're showing ourselves. all right now. And we got pants on. We're authoritative. We've got our pants suit. Um, we won the 5k. Were you nervous about the 5k the most? I think I've heard that
2: terrified, terrified because I'm like, I don't like 5k's They're They're uncomfortable. You don't really get to settle in. And then I was like, I would like to win it, of course, but I don't, if I don't, like, it's fine. So I just went out hot because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I was most nervous for the 5K. I think I slept the least um, in anticipation for the 5K. Well,
1: I don't know if you know this, but John Pelkey has run a 5K
2: now. John Pelkey, I'm so proud of you. Which Thanks. one did you do?
0: Uh, I ran the springtime surprise. I ran the 5K in the springtime surprise. Oh, and my uh my- my goal was to finish. And I did. Um, I would like to say that uh, throughout my run, I was mocked by uh, Carissa's daughter, Claire, who ran with me until she was like, this is way too slow. I'm going to move on from this. Uh, but yes, I did. Finally, after all of these years of selling myself as the before picture for a GM ad and uh, letting people know that I, I had been athletic through high school and that seemed like enough. Uh, I actually went out and finished the 5k and fully admit that I did feel and and, and you know me, I can be just uh, as cynical as anybody, but it really did feel like an accomplishment, because I'd never run more than two and a half miles in my life.
2: Wow, that's amazing. I know.
0: I know. Wow. I know. Pretty impressive, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It is impressive, but it is. <laughs> like You have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. It it was great and uh, other people dressed me though. So I didn't get the fun of actually coming up with my my own costume.
2: I was I was going to ask that. Yeah,
0: Before I was you- uh, I was Tomater. Uh wasn't I? I was Tomater yeah from uh from Cars, which is which oh, you know, I honestly, I man, okay. they I think they they've got me pegged.
1: Well, John you only have 17 and a half years to win a race to then be better than Brittany
0: yeah right. I, I tell you so, what uh when I am uh when I'm 80 uh 77 when I'm 77 that's when I I'm, I'm maybe I could win my age group at 77 maybe well, that, that's the goal I should set
1: believe in yourself John and then show yourself <laughs> <that>. <laughs> moving on all right 5K check you won now we're moving on to the 10k. Talk us through that, that costume and that pressure now that you've already won one race.
2: Yeah. I feel like I actually didn't feel pressure in that. I feel like, um, even as we got to the marathon, which I know that's jumping ahead a little bit, I kind of feel like it was even, and then there was like more and more hype that was getting built over the weekend. I felt like less and less pressure because I knew the dis like the longer the distance, the better I am. So I kind of, um, felt a little bit less pressure because that first day is out of the way. You know, you get your first race day jitters out of the way. Um, But the 10K, I decided to be Bing Bong from Inside Out. Um, Bing or Inside Out is one of my favorite movies because I felt like it explained my brain. I feel like um, that movie captured, I was like, this is what is going on in my brain. I feel like there's so many different emotions. There's so many different islands. Um, And then Bing Bong, I just was like, I want that character that is just weird and that um, it's weird. He's weird, but he makes sense and he's joyful and he cries candy and like, I loved it. And so that was, um, I, and that was a character that I was like, I don't, and the, looking back, I was thinking, I don't know if anybody's going to get this. And looking back, everybody at Disney gets every single character. I don't think there's a character that you could come up with that somebody at Disney doesn't know who that is. Um, so people were like cheering for bing bong as I was running the 10 K. Um, and that was really special because I was like, Oh, people get me. They understand that I'm bing bong. And I was wearing a little girl's, um, uh, ballet costume. It was a one piece costume that had the tutu attached. I had gone to Goodwill and I got a little boy's, um, suit vest, Um, And then I wore like cut off gloves and I pinned a tail to me and I had this little hat. So that costume was really fun because I feel like it was like really piecemealed together, which is Bing Bong.
0: And Bing Bong covers the gamut of emotions in that movie. And I don't want to give it away to anybody who's seen it, but it goes from just silly beyond all to absolutely heartbreaking. And I actually worked with uh, uh, Richard Kind, who is the actor who voices Bing Bong on a Disney Vacation Club cruise, who is a really, really sweet and funny guy. And, and he talked about the uh, the emotional arc that that character took and said it may be the g- greatest emotional arc of any character he's ever played, wow. which I think is terrific. It's, it's a wonderful film and a great one. All right, so now 5K, 10K, you've won them both. And I know you said the most pressure was the 5K, but at this point, you have to start feeling like, okay, I'm through the shorter distances, which uh, are, are the tougher ones for me. Now we move to half marathon day. This is getting real. Who were we?
2: We were joy from inside out as well. And I was, I went through a little internal battle of like, but I just did two. I just, I can't, can I do two um, characters from the same movie? And at this, and then I was like, I don't care. This is my, this is why I'm doing it. I'm doing what I want. And joy. I mean, it's joy. She's lovely. Um, and going back to my Chicago comedy roots, um, Amy Poehler was so inspirational during that time being in Chicago. And I remember reading her book at that time. So, and she's obviously the voice of joy. And so that was really fun for me. Plus I wanted to race in a wig during one of these, um, races. Uh, so I had tested, that was the only costume piece that I had tested pre uh, pre dopey. So I remember running around, it was winter and I was running around in that blue wig just to make sure that it would stay on. (laughs) So I was running around in my neighborhood with joy's blue wig, um, before I left. And did you feel joy throughout that half marathon? Did it work? Loved it. Honestly, the half was the very best. That was the, that was the best race. That was where you like, um, you're running one direction and the rest of the it's on like either side of the highway. Um, and I was cheering for everybody. Everybody was cheering back for me. It was like this wonderful engaged, like swap of, it was this volley of joy back and forth between me and all the other runners. And I was like, this is why we're doing it also is like, yes, I'm in the lead, but also you guys are doing it too. And you're inspiring me. I'm inspiring you. So it was just like this, I'll never forget that moment.
1: And I think the half was just so, so special. I, I ran it as well. It was very special. I have a fun picture with you um, at the yes. start. And you inspired me to when later in the year. I was running a 10K and they had me in a wig and they were like, you can take that off to run. I was like, well, Brittany won in a wig. So I think that I can persevere. I put it in a little ponytail. Yes. Mine was blue too. And I, uh, I got it done and then you got it done in the half. So now we're to marathon day. We're doubling down. You know, we like to joke that, you know, you're two, three quarters of the way done when you finish. The half but you're really not you know mileage wise so
0: i like to be positive to people and tell them that three quarters of your adventure is over
1: says the guy (laughs) who's never run a marathon you know you're the guy at mile 10 you're almost there
0: (laughs) or at the finish line welcome to the halfway point i love that that
1: oh boy i bet you get a lot of fans doing that (laughs) he does okay so marathon day who are you and how do you feel um I
2: felt great. I did feel a little bit of pressure at that point um, because obviously like it had gotten to the hype of the weekend and the fact that I'd won three races so far did start to get built up a little bit. But I was trying to be really mindful of staying off of social media, staying off of the Internet and reading anything just because I was like, again, this is not why I'm here I never set out to win all of them. I knew it could be a possibility for sure, but I was really trying to just stay true to like, this is not why I'm here. I don't want that pressure to steal this like whole experience and this joyful opportunity. Um, so, but I was, I mean, I was feeling some pressure, especially cause like people were starting to know what, you know, what I was doing. Um, but I chose Cruella for the last one. Um, I chose her for a few reasons and it was specifically Cruella from the Emma Stone version. Um, I, I, again, I resonated so much. I felt like that was such an artistic movie, such amazing costume choices and the uh, artisticness of the storyline was incredible. I just loved her fierceness, but also her realness. And I was trying to channel that a little bit also during that race was like just trying to channel some fierceness of Cruella, but also just being real, you know, and then the other reason, so there was that whole, you know, intellectual piece behind it, but then the other piece was like, all right, what am I actually going to be comfortable racing a marathon in? Cause let's be honest, that's a long way to go in a costume. Um, and I have this white North face running dress that I love North face doesn't love that I run and race in that. Cause it's not really like what we're supposed to race in, but I love it. And so, um, I was like, I also just really want to feel cute in this white dress So I had um, ironed on these different phrases and sayings from both the movie and from my like running and I had ironed those on. And then I also thought it'd be really fun to spray paint my hair. So I did two bubble ponies and Justin, my husband had spray painted my hair the morning of. Um, And then I thought about, well, I haven't tested this spray paint before and it's humid in Orlando. What happens if this runs? and especially after I get sweaty. But then I was like, you know what, if that happens, that's so Cruella, like she's just a nutso, especially when she gets like in her groove. So, um, that part was really fun. And then I had worn, um, Dalmatian shorts underneath the dress as like kind of a cute little nod to the Dalmatians, obviously.
1: And then, uh, yeah,
0: it just remarkable. And I, and I do have to say this is, uh, and, um, Normally, when we're hosting a race weekend, uh, we don't focus as much on the elite runners as we do everyone else. I mean, it's just sort of part and parcel because you, n- nothing against, obviously, the elite runners, but celebrating uh, uh, the people in their costumes. And uh, we have, uh, I think, the largest percentage of people running their first marathon, or first half marathon. But uh, I felt pressure for you after the half. Because somebody came to me and said, and it was probably Carissa, Brittany's won the five, the ten, and and the half. And I'm like, oh my God. So the 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 fact thank you for admitting that you uh that you felt the pressure. Also, I would like to say the dopey challenge winning understatement of the world is uh, you know, it's humid in central Florida. That uh yeah.
2: It's,
1: oh my god, uh,
0: conditions are 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 not always optimal.
1: Now, Brittany, there was one race where John and I are on stage. I think it was the marathon maybe where the athletes come back by us and we're on stage and it takes us a a little over an hour to send everybody off. And we have our director that's talking to us in our ear. And he says like, oh, the, the, you know, Brittany's coming. The leaders are coming. So of course we are just monkeys. So he says this in my ear. I say, oh, the leaders are coming. Here comes Brittany. And then this leading female comes by and I'm like, that's not Brittany. Yeah. (laughs) But you heard all that. It was amazing. I think it was
2: like, I honestly, I think it was like the five, five K by the time we had looped back around. And I remember hearing you say that. And you were like, and here comes Britney. And you said something like, uh, you did a Britney Spears quote. Uh, I can't remember what you said. It was something in that realm. And I was like running and I was laughing and I was like, nope. I was like, I'm in third. I'm in third right now. Or I I thought I was in second. So I was like, nope. I was like, I'm second, and I was like, that's okay. And I think I even yelled at you as I as I ran past, like, nope, I'm back here. (laughs) But then I was like, don't worry, this is how I race.
0: And uh, yeah, by the way, well that. done throwing Mark Ferreira under the bus. Uh, uh, it was just an absolutely remarkable thing. And we had the opportunity to hang out with you the next day and have just a great time going through the parks and uh, and seeing everybody respond to the fact that, oh, my goodness, here be, here's this person who did that. And then uh, the day after you put in a, a a lot of miles walking around the parks a, a, as well. It, it was inspiring for everybody. I do have to ask you this question, though, with all the costumes that you've done and your costume closet. It, um, is there anything you haven't been yet that you want to be?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Um, I'm sure the answer is yes. Um, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. I don't have a good answer, but there's always, there's always characters and like craziness i would like to be, but I haven't thought about
1: that. Well, All you right. can think so, about so it. You something can get to think from. about. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, so project. We alluded to this in the beginning, um, you kind of coming to dopey as a way to to get the fun in the running. And our goal is to motivate that everyday runner. And you're not only an amazing pro athlete, you're a coach too. So how do we keep a focus on getting in those miles, getting in the harder workouts, but also keep fun in our running and our training? I think it's often as simple as just the intention
2: behind it. Um, I think it's, um, not only setting the intention before you start running and training, but also like in your everyday week, um, we're big proponents of reflecting, um, and just kind of taking almost like a week at a time and just then reflecting on the week and then setting like these little tiny goals for the next week. And that helps me of, um, just thinking about like okay, I felt like this week was pretty good, but I felt like this run or this workout was just, I just didn't really enjoy it as much. Can I shift that and make it more enjoyable next week? And so I like to set themes, especially when I'm road training, um, for each week's training. Um, and that helps me, I'll pick a theme and then I like to like incorporate that all throughout the week. And that'll dictate where I run and what costumes I'm running in for training. Um, and then what I'm listening to, it can just be as simple as like, this week is Bob Seeger week. And so I'm just tearing up Bob Seger podcasts and music and, you know, all the things. And then for me, I like to make art at the end of my week to recap that week. Because again, it keeps coming back to like, what's the journey? Like, don't get so focused. And I'm so guilty of this, and especially coming off of my last race of just focusing on the outcome that when i i feel like when i theme things and when i'm really focusing on just each week at a time it really helps capture the journey and helps you stay present and keep it fun versus stressing about what's to come and i felt like i did that really well during dopey as well um was just like focusing on each day instead of what's going to happen at the end of the weekend
0: Well, I think you you, you've kind of alluded to it. The World Mountain and Trail Championships in Austria did not have the result that you uh, you hope to have. But I mean, that's part and parcel of being an athlete. You are not going to you know, no one wins the championship every year. No one wins all of the races and being able to bounce back from having a disappointing, uh, a disappointing outing. um, What kind of uh, advice could you give to people about how you can uh, you can change that disappointment into something that fuels you moving forward?
2: Um, I think I let myself sit in it, which was helpful. I felt like I, sometimes I like, if something doesn't go well, I try to just move on too quickly. And especially because I'm like, well, I'm the funny runner. I'm always happy. I'm cheerful. Um, but instead it's almost like having a bing bong moment of just like, let it just sit in it. And I feel like this time I let myself sit in it and I felt like I let myself, um, be so sad so disappointed. I was also really, really embarrassed. Um, and I just let myself feel it and be okay with it. And now I think I'm just getting a little bit more perspective. And this is what I've been telling other um, people and other runners is that no one actually cares. Like even at an elite level, no one actually cares. Um, it, you, you feel like it's this huge thing and that everyone's watching and that it's so important and it's not like people just are, people are still like how are you? What, like, what else did you get from the experience versus, you know, what the results were? Um, so I think that that's something I I'm taking away from this is that like, it's not a devastating career blow, you know, like, I'm like, well, I'll still keep running. Um, I got more races ahead. So I think that's something that's shifted. Um, whereas it feels devastating in the moment, but it's like, no one actually, no one actually cares. So I think even for the people that are running their first marathon or have certain times that they're shooting for, no one actually really cares except you, um, you know, people celebrate your wins and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's really not that big of a deal, even at an elite
1: level, I think is what I'm learning, um, as I keep going. I think that's a hard thing to learn too, because to you, it is a big deal. You spend months and months doing something and then trying to have to rationalize that. And I would love to know your, your thoughts on social media and the elite running world, because I'm not an elite runner, but sometimes I'll be running and I'm writing my social media post in my head. That's not necessary. You finished this race. Uh, It wasn't the race you wanted. And how much time did you spend thinking about how am I going to explain this um, on social media? So what's your, your take on that?
2: Oh my God. Such a good question. Oh, I do that all the time too, but in, I also do it in fun ways. I think about, you know, when I'm like out running and I have something really creative that I'm working on or something or something really that I think is really funny. Uh, I'll create that in my head. So it works in positive ways, but then you're right. I think that's honestly, like, if I'm being honest, I think that was a piece of, um, something that got in my head during during leading up to worlds and then racing was if I don't do amazing, like, how am I going to explain this? Or like, what are people going to think? And I think that's a piece of reflecting that I have to keep working on. Um, but I had a lot of time to just think about that. And I finally realized, you know, I feel like I'm getting a lot more connection with people and I get better responses when I'm just like, it sucked it sucked. And I was, and then I think I just also gave myself permission of like, I posted just a thumbs up that I was like, Hey, I'm okay physically, but like, this is just what happened. And then, um, for me, I needed to process it through art. And so, um, I just made really, really weird art. Um, and that was really helpful. And I almost was just like, I actually don't care what anybody thinks. I want to put this out there, I think, cause it then puts it out into the world and it's all done. And I can kind of put a pin on that experience. Um, But I also was like, I put weird stuff out and I don't care. Like if nobody gets this weird art of me being pregnant with kittens um, and then having weird emojis on the Von Traps, like whatever. (laughs) But for me, it's just therapeutic to get out. So I think it can, social media can be used therapeutically as long as you're not attaching yourself and your self-worth to what you feel like other people are. Perceiving about you or thinking about you, and honestly, I got all I got was just amazing responses and support. So I think remembering that people really are good, people really are wonderful. The Disney crew, especially, I think like that's something that I'm so grateful that I got all these Disney people on my side after Dopey. Because if you have a bad day, these Disney people will build you up. (laughs) Like they're just like amazing. So um, yeah, so I think that there's lots of different aspects of it, but it. I don't know. I'm working through all of that still trying to figure out like how you balance it because it is hard.
0: Well, I think people appreciate that you're uh, open, emotionally open and also live in the moment. And I get I do think that is important uh, as well. All right. What is your next fun goal, Brittany, other than another kitten pregnancy painting, which you're (laughs) going to have to explain to me at, at some point?
2: Um, yeah, just check out my page. Uh, so I am going to take, um, I'm planning to take the summer off of racing. So last year, um, going into the world championships in Thailand in November. So last year was absurd in 2022. My year started with dopey in January, and it didn't end until November at the world championships in Thailand. And I don't feel like I stopped And I felt like I got really burnt out mentally and physically by the time I got to Worlds. So um, I have also qualified this year for the World 50K Road Championships in India in November. And I was like, I need to make sure I'm protecting my sanity and I can't just go full throttle all year long. So I'm going to take the rest of this summer to just kind of play. And actually, um, I think the Disney virtual 5Ks are happening. And so I was like, I think it'd be fun to be in costume and set FKTs. So fastest known times, but a 5k distance in costume on trails, because it's kind of blending all of my weird worlds together. Um, so that's my plan is to do that. I haven't, I haven't really thought through much more than that, but that's what I want to do this summer. And then in the fall, I'll kind of be back on the roads racing, um, and gearing up for the world championships in India, um, but until then, so I'm going to be making just weird art and then running in costumes on trails and like earning my virtual Disney 5k medals this
1: summer, John, maybe you could get in on those virtual Disney 5k races. I'll, I'll run one with you.
0: I'm sorry. My, something's going on with my ear phones. I can't, uh, didn't, didn't I already do a 5k? I I am I forgetting? I could be forgetting that, but I've, did.
1: I, I did one about, uh, I don't know. Th- two hours ago, Brittany, brought- <laughs> it's something you repeat generally.
0: I'll I walked be- around Portland a lot going from restaurant to bar to restaurant to bar. So I feel like I put my time in. So All right. my- back off.
1: Oh, come on. All right. We're, we're not going to back off, John. We're going to keep going. All I know, right, Brittany, I know. Um, before we wrap this up, what everybody really wants to know is when will we see you at Disney again?
2: You don't know. I don't know. I want to come. I like, really want to come to the Disneyland races. That would be awesome. Um I people keep asking like would you ever do Dopey again and I I don't think I ever would just because like how do you top that experience? Um but I was at the um Disney World Marathon weekend this year in 2023 and I was cheering and it was the best time I've ever had. So I'm also like I just love to come cheer and be part of all of it. So I think that that's if I can, you know, finagle my way back into the races just and get to cheer and whatever that could look like. That's a dream. Cause it's just like, Oh, I love it so much. And watching everybody from the, you know, the front runners to everybody with the balloon ladies coming through. I mean, you guys know, it's like, I'm sure it's probably more exhausting for you guys cause you're out there all day long, but it's so rad watching all these different types of runners come through and like all the costumes and just the whole experience. So I think that's what I would love to try to do, but maybe I'll race the Disneyland races.
1: I don't know.
0: Most John- exhausting thing for me is trying to figure out the mashup costumes. That's what's get. That's what's oh. doing me in these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little concerned though. Cause what I heard from Brittany was words, words, words. I would like to be a run Disney announcer. That's kind of what I heard there.
2: Oh my God. That honestly, I, that would be an absolute dream. Absolutely. Do you
0: work within budget? Do you work within budget? That's the I mean, question number one.
2: So I'll Don't want to price yourself I'll out get of it. i Dole Whips and uh, Mickey
1: Waffles. Done. 100%. I, I get circus How about peanuts. Uncrustables and uh, the sliced apples in a package that we're not sure the expiration date? Yep. count Count me in. I get
0: circus peanuts and Dr. Pepper. That's that's what they give me. Endless circus peanuts and Dr. Neither Pepper. Neither of those
1: things that <laughs> really? does he get.
0: I know I never get a Dr. Pepper even, which okay, I really want to will you guys.
1: I'll see you hey, guys.
0: Hey, uh Britt, uh also uh if people want to follow you, uh go to your website, see your see your 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 weird and cool art and find out about what you're doing, where do they need to go?
2: I'm 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 most active on my Instagram page at funny runner26.2. If You want to go down a weird rabbit hole? I have a funny runner 26 point art page that every once in a while gets updated. My website is wildly outdated, but you could still go there, uh thefunnyrunner.com. Um, and that's uh and then our coaching website is Mercuria Running, and that's also our Instagram there for um we have lots of Disney people that we get to coach and stuff like that too. So there's fun on there as well
1: all the fun. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. We hopefully, I know we'll be seeing you soon and chatting with you soon. So thank you for joining us and bringing the fun to the three, two, one go podcast and the run guys. I miss you so much. This was amazing.
2: Um, and thank you for having me on. All right. athletes, Here's the
1: drill. Time to shape up your diet. Carissa, give them the goods. All right. Thank you, Sarge. Now it's time for our healthier you nutrition moment. And today we're talking about how to lose weight or maintain weight loss during the summer. So we had our healthier you monthly chat last week. And what we're hearing is, you know, I'm going on vacation. I'm feeling like I'm losing control of my weight or my weight loss goals. And I will say, I think that it's harder to sort of attempt to lose weight over the summer than even at the holidays, because when you're on vacation, it's that YOLO mindset, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we just want to give people a few tips on, you know, what you should do if you are trying to maintain or lose weight over the summer. And the first thing you really got to do is set realistic goals. So determining how much weight you want to lose 50 pounds by the end of the year, that's too big of a goal to sort of really grasp onto and feel like you're making progress towards. Um, so over the summer, I would almost say the goal could be one. I don't even want, I don't want to gain weight versus lose weight or maybe two to four pounds a month. And if you have a weight loss goal this summer, the best thing to do with any goal, write it down. Make it measurable, right? The date you're going to check back in with yourself. And that way you can see progress. It's kind of like doing long runs. If you're saying I'm going to run a marathon, but I haven't even gotten to six miles yet, you got to see that progress to help you keep going. So set realistic goals. Uh, the other thing with any weight loss is it's a calorie game. You've got to create that calorie deficit. And that can be done by limiting your calories or by upping exercise. So as it's getting warm, maybe we're not necessarily getting as much running as we were, especially if we only run outside. So make sure you're getting in time for that exercise, knowing that matters as well. Staying consistent. Consistency is the key. So that's the problem with vacation, right? And how how did you do up in Maine? Did you have a healthy diet, John? I,
0: I I did not have anything even approaching a healthy diet, but I did get some, uh, some hiking in. There was a lot more walking. Portland, Maine is a great walking city. Uh, so I probably, to your point, I probably kidded myself that I was getting more exercise than I really was. Uh, and, uh, but my caloric intake, cause it's a great foodie city, uh, overshadowed that. So there was no weight loss in me for Maine, but, uh, well, I haven't, I haven't weighed myself since I was 17. Cause really what's the point? Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I don't think I put any on, but, uh, I certainly didn't lose any.
1: Well, the point is that it's hard to do, right? So it's my number hard. one tip when you're going on vacation is to watch your portion size, especially when you're eating out, be aware of portion size and leave a little bit on your plate. Most of the time you're satisfied within three bites of something, you've gotten enough of the flavor to be satisfied. So watch that portion control. And then when you get back home, you know, that's when it's really good to get back to those goals. So this is something we talked about in healthier you healthier you is open right now. It's a 12 week course that's designed to boost your nutrition, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to be better fueled for runs, we do it all. Uh, You can use use the code summer at GallowayCourse.com to save, and we'll get you Feeling better about your nutrition in an education based way.
0: Well, I will say you would have been very, very happy with me. I did eat a lot of watermelon, and we learned that that's good for you.
1: That is good. You're very hydrated. Very hydrated. It's to help keep your, your blood sugar levels up as well.
0: Extra cheese, it's people. The perks of being a race announcer.
1: Athletes, listen up. It's mail call time.
0: Announcer free, present. Thank you, Sarge. We are indeed opening up the mailbox and our question today, Carissa, comes from Katie M. Mulcahy, whose question is, and we get a lot of questions about these sort of things. What would your run Disney costumes be if you ran together? Well, we would first of all, we would start together. We would not finish together.
1: I could say with you, but I think it might be like when Weston and I run together, you know, me knowing he's so much faster than me, I'm like, just go, just leave me. You're bored, you know. Um, <laughs> so I think you would eventually like shoo me yes. away. Yes. To shun,
0: to push away.
1: Yes. Go, uh, go. This, I think, is a hard question. There's, I don't think I've, I've, in, the, you know, in this amount of time, I can think about the depth of like where we could go with this. Ah, uh, being literal, being, you know, sarcastic. So my first thought was something from the Aristocats, because I know how special that is to you, yes, um, but my second thought was, maybe you could be a guest on. And I could be one of the girls that's, oh there. He goes, Is't he dreamy? And then I could just that's like say bad. things to, like, you as you're running, and then maybe that like positive reinforcement okay. would help you to go. His so I'd be pre
0: steroid Gaston, clearly pre steroid Gaston. I
1: mean, I don't, I don't know if guest, I think he came out that way.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. He was,
1: baby, he was born that way.
0: Wow. Hashtag difficult delivery. All right. Very nice. Okay. Well, uh, and you you, hit me on that because I had to think about it, and I was trying to come up with uh, a couple of characters. A male and a female character that hang out together and aren't like an item character, because that would be so weird since you're like my younger sister and I'm like your older, out of shape uncle uh, who's annoying. Um, But I did come up with and because I want to just put this out there in the uh, universe and hopefully somebody will dress me up this way for a Disney race. I did come up with Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat uh, and duchess from the Aristocats, uh, the great Phil Harris and uh, the lovely Ava Gabor. But my other one was uh, uh, Bernard and Miss Bianca from The Rescuers, uh, which is the great Bob Newhart. And once again, because apparently they were limited on female voiceover artists the lovely Ava Gabor playing Miss Bianca as well. And I know those are relationship ones, but those are a couple of reasons. I love both of those because the wrist cats is my favorite uh, animated Disney feature. And uh, the last Disney feature that I ever saw in a theater uh, animated prior to uh, the new generation, starting with uh, little mermaid was the rescuers. And uh, if it, it, from that uh, movie, I would, love to run as even rude the outboard dragonfly as well um but uh if it were both of us running together uh bernard and miss bianca would be good so that th- those would be it mainly because i'm a horribly selfish guy and those are characters i would like to dress as and that's who you end up being but i think those would be great costumes mark ferrera uh so if you're listening please Uh, And that brings up actually wanted to bring up that point as well. People do. uh, There were a lot of other questions that we had in the mail um, in the mailbag about costumes. Um, We do not pick out our own costumes. And uh, the people who do pick out our costumes are the wonderful costuming people at Disney who are par excellence and do a fabulous job. Uh, And then also our director, Mark Ferreira, very good friend of both of ours. Uh, those are the people who pick out our costumes. We don't get to we, do it on our own.
1: We don't get to have a say. And sometimes I say, like, what do you want to be for the next race? And we'll have a say. And then we definitely yeah. are not. If we said it, we definitely... No, that were yeah, not. Gonna, except
0: yeah, except Tracy, if she complains that she doesn't think she's a cute enough character, she will be a cuter character the next time. For years, I was whatever uh, character disappeared early in the film, uh, generally in some sort of tragic manner. I think one year I was Bambi's mom. I was always a porg, uh, it, you know, just any number of things uh, that were, were were disturbing. But I've, I've moved up a little bit in the in the pecking order. So my costume's are a, a little better, and I'm still the only one who ever did it in a fur onesie, and that's still my favorite costume so far.
1: And just to be clear, John was never Bambi's mom. Just, just to be clear, but
0: was I? Was I not?
1: You were not. Well, Bambi. I, I, seem to,
0: I seem. I seem <laughs> to remember that
1: In the 1972 edition of the Disney 5K. You were Bambi's mom. Well, this was fun. Great, always a great time with Brittany, guys. If you have any other questions or you have suggestions on maybe John and I, who we should be if we ever ran together, maybe for a virtual run down the West orange trail. Maybe we could do that. You can send them to three, two, one, go podcast at gmail.com. And again, we would love it. If you would rate the podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe, uh, let people know what we're doing here and let us know a little bit about what you want to hear about, because our goal is to keep people motivated. So any way we can do that, we'd love to know.
0: Yes, and, and feel free to ask more questions. We would love to tell you more about uh, about what our lives are like and uh, what a, a Disney race weekend if you're a veteran or if you're somebody considering.
1: We can't wait to see you at the next race. We'll be watching you guys as you go through those virtual series. Uh, have a great day, and we'll talk to you all soon.
2: Bye-bye.